Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football presented by BKCW. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined by Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel. And an eventful night, fellas, for the Longhorns last night as they uh, grab Amari Nyblack, get a secure a commitment from him, the number one ranked tight end in the portal. How big of a deal is this for the Texas offense going into next season? Well, I, I think it's uh, more of the same. You know, it, it's uh, the emphasis on speed right now just continues to be very apparent. Um, Steve Sarkeesian uh, is going to to go after speed right now, uh, whether it's at wide receiver, tight end, et cetera. I mean, they were still in it for Ben Urosek, uh, the tight end out of uh, Stanford, who's more of a traditional tight end. Texas uh, clearly going after Nye Black uh, and prioritizing him at this point, uh, just big, big time uh, for Texas uh, and the Longhorns. I want to add this. I mean, it's also indicative of just how aggressive Texas is being in the portal overall. This makes seven commitments for Texas in the portal, and they're still got more to go. Um, the Longhorns right now are on fire. Uh, I've said that. I think everybody agrees with that. And it's just, I hear that train of coming. It's coming around the bend. <laughs> that, that, is, uh, that is Bobby Petronic saying it the right way. Uh, that, that's just one of those things where right now we cannot, uh, we cannot be wary of where Texas is at because if they're interested in someone right now, they're going after him and getting them. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, guys. Well, CJ, what's the latest on Jabbar Muhammad, the other uh, portal entry that they have their their target set on that they're hoping to get in the fold next? Yeah, he was on campus for his official visit on uh, Wednesday afternoon, was led around campus in the, the stadium by uh, head coach Steve Sarkeesian, was given a good show, uh, was met at the door, actually. I was told by M uh, Malik Muhammad and also Kobe Black, which is a little interesting because – uh, you talk about the family ties there. There's also some ties there with Kobe Black and his brother Corey, who played at uh, Oklahoma State with Jabbar Muhammad a little bit as well. So there's familiarity there uh, with Kobe, who made trips up to Stillwater to see his brother play, you know, a couple times a year for the last couple of years. So uh, a lot of familiarity there. He's supposed to be headed to Tuscaloosa this afternoon for an official visit to Alabama as well as an official visit to Oregon next week as well. So we'll see if those trips are made. Right now, I think there is a lot of confidence coming out of Moncrief and out of the Texas facility in the sense that they have done enough to land the former all uh, Pac-12 cornerback as well. So uh, a, a bright spot there. We'll obviously see if he hops on that plane and heads out uh, to Tuscaloosa this afternoon. All right, guys. Well, what else is going on in the as, as far as the portal goes? I mean, what – Overall, is there any other news that Texas fans need to be aware of? Any prospects that may be on the radar? That type of deal. Uh, yeah. The answer is yes. Uh, I mean, but but right now, the next piece of it outside of Muhammad, I think, is waiting on a defensive tackle to go in that they want to go on uh, that can be greenlit. Right now, there's not one. Um, and so I, I feel like 
Uh, until that happens, we're probably going to be a little bit of a holding pattern as it relates to the portal other than Jabbar Muhammad. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how that goes. The next portal opening window is April 15th. Now, all bets are off if there are more coaching changes, right? Because more coaching changes means more opportunity for players to enter the portal immediately. Um, and if Jim Harbaugh, for example, who I think is now interviewed for what, two or three NFL jobs. Um, if he gets one of those, I think the turnover begins, you know, and we'll see what exactly what that means. Uh, and I expect if Texas uh, has an opportunity, they're going to pounce. Uh, this is just not something that, that uh, you can take for uh, take lightly. If, uh, if you're the long, a Longhorn fan right now, because I'm telling you, Steve Sarkeesian is being aggressive in the portal. This is aggressiveness. I mean, they are going to lose eight to nine draft picks this year, Texas. Okay. He goes in, out and, and right as of right now, he's at seven. Of those, you think five of those probably are going to eventually get drafted. I mean, l- legitimately. So he's not just replacing them with the un- incoming talent uh, through uh, natural roster development. He's replacing them through the portal, too, to try to improve this team. I tell you what, if they can get not one, but two defensive tackles in the portal, uh, Katie bar the door on this team. They they will be better this year than last year. That that's that's how I feel. If they can re- legitimately replace Murphy and Sweat with uh, reasonable approximations, they will be better this year. The, back, the backups to, to Murphy and Sweat. Guess what? They're still on the team. And so if they can get, I don't know, you throw a guy named, like G- Jaheim Otis out there from. Uh, Alabama, who's a potential all-conference player at a nose tackle and add another uh, big-time defensive tackle there, then you're talking about something totally different. The problem is right now, Jaheim Otis is not in the portal. And so there's a little bit of a, a, wait, a wait and see here, uh, but there, there's a it, – it's crazy. Right now what's happening at Alabama uh, is unheard of. I don't know if everybody's – oh, there it is uh, – Julian saying expected to enter the portal. That's the five-star quarterback they just signed. Now, Kalen DeBoer brought a couple of quarterbacks with him from Washington. So maybe that's a, you know, a a wash of some sort. Uh, But Alabama is just getting, uh, you know, ripped to shreds right now. And I will say this, Texas has three Alabama commitments, right? Um, Guess what? Texas isn't the one with the highest number of Alabama Alabama commitments. (laughs) That's Florida State with five. So this is a this is a a new dawn uh, as it relates to college football. I mean the the number of players going into the portal of Alabama right now is going to bring that program to a standstill. Now I think that Kalen Boer is a great coach, but man, what a tough job he has ahead of him in the first year. Before we move on to the next talking point, fellas, I want to read this uh, super chat real quick from Brian Dodd. He says, "Good morning from New Hampshire." It's eight degrees. We got a foot of snow, and OU still sucks. I thought it was cold here. That's way cold. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm not in New Hampshire. <laughs> but thank you, Brian, for the super chat. We definitely appreciate it. And let's move on, fellas. Uh, Sark on the road, coaches on the road. They've been kind of all over the state this week. What are you hearing there? And, and do you know where they might be today? I know that they were down in uh, kind of the, the Gulf area yesterday, Sarkeesian and and a number of the Texas uh, staffers were out checking out some prospects. Uh, Kelshawn Johnson out of Hitchcock was a guy that they stopped in on. And Sarkeesian actually stopped as well up at Shadow Creek, 
which is having five of its members of the their uh, upcoming football team visit this weekend for uh, the Texas Junior Day. So a lot of talent down there at Shadow Creek as well. I know Tashard Choice knocked out the Frisco schools, and Texas also made a stop at South Oak Cliff, at South Oak Cliff yesterday as well. So a lot going on in the sense that Texas is not continuing to knock out uh, big-time programs in the state of Texas. Bobby, do you have any update on where they might be today? Yeah, so for sure, Sark is expected at uh, Conroe High today to see a Dorian Brew, one of the nation's top players, uh, a cornerback. Dorian is expected to announce a decision on June on January 24th. So that's just five days away. Uh, the money goes to Ohio. The money is on Ohio State to win that one. His mom is in the Ohio State Track Hall of Fame. Uh, so she's legit, right? Um, so Ohio State has a natural lead there. But I do think Texas is making a late run. Um, I would not be surprised if this is a guy that commits to Ohio State and can, Texas continues to recruit him throughout. That's kind of my my gut feel on it. Uh, but they're setting it up that way. Uh, Sark will be in Conroe, as expected in Conroe today. He may already be there right now. Uh, you mentioned he was along the Gulf Coast yesterday, uh, CJ. Not only was he at Hitchcock, which is right uh, at the lip of the, the ship channel there, he's also down at Ball High uh, in Galveston to see Jonah Williams. Then he made it over to Shadow Creek in, in Pearland, Alvin area um, of, uh, of Houston. Uh, he was there to see three prospects at uh, Shadow Creek, as well as an underclass prospect. Um, all of that uh, to be said, uh, Texas uh, and their coaches on on the road right now. Uh, Johnny Nansen's been Johnny Nansen was in uh, California on Tuesday, Metroplex on Wednesday. Uh, you know, they've been all over right now, guys. Yeah, it sounds like they are just incredibly, incredibly busy. There is no doubt about that. And they're going to stay even busier starting tomorrow uh, with Junior Day. Just a huge, huge day with, what, nearly 100 kids or more coming in, Bobby. I mean, can you remember a Junior Day this big? I mean, when, when was the last time, if ever? This, this big? Much talent? Yeah, this big, no. Um, you know, the, the thing that it's not – it's it's a turning of the worm in, in what CJ and I have been following this closely for um, look A&M under Jimbo Fisher uh, really had become I don't want to say the cool school because A&M is never a cool school but they had become the choice de jour of prospects in the state because they knew NIL was there Jimbo was kind of loose with his words to recruits and kind of over promising etc um, and what happened uh, is that all changed in the last year, and right, really in the last six months. Jimbo went in the you know where. I mean, he went. He just went down, um, and Sark uh, rose. And so A and M had been having these huge junior days, and they had a junior day you know three years ago that led to eventually landing one of the top class or the top class in the country that year. Um, and so what's happened is that the worm has turned. And now Texas is that program. The thing that I think is interesting is not just the 100 plus prospects, but it's the, I mean, what is it, 25 or 30 sophomore prospects now that we have listed, yeah. CJ? I mean, it's not, they're starting to turn this whole thing on its head so that they're the one that is in on players early and not AM. Or, or, or AM will try to be. I look, I mean, this is just an incredible list. I know it, that's very small type and everything for everybody, but it just gives you a sense of how many we're talking. I mean, this is not a small list. 
These are not just average players. I mean, Jordan Davison uh, from modern day, for example, the very top list, he's one of the top running backs in the country. Well, he's coming in with his team teammate, Nasir Wyatt, who's one of the top linebackers in the country. Um, DeAndre Tiger Ridden, if you haven't seen him, uh, or Ryden, if you haven't seen him, he was the star of the state championship game two weeks or two years ago as a sophomore. I mean, I, I don't know what to what to say other than uh, Texas just continues to 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 build on itself, really, right, CJ? Um, this idea that we're going to continue to accumulate and accumulate and be a school of choice. Um, I I am the question I have coming out of this weekend, and uh, and I ask this to the to the uh, YouTube community here on, on Texas football. How many commitments from these guys, junior junior day guys, are we going to see this weekend? Like, usually you, you get a couple on a junior day maybe, right, that are already sitting there. I don't know if Texas pushes for any commitments right now. I mean, I think they're in such the catbird seat that Steve Sarkeesian can wait. There may be a couple that if they really want to come, he, he'll go ahead and do it. But, man, they're – why? I mean, he's they're just sitting in a really good place. Why try to jump the gun and not see a guy progress through his junior year, full junior year, spring practice, all of that stuff, as opposed to anything else? I mean, I, I'm just – somebody said it here, suplexus says Sark's building machine. Yeah, this is how yeah. you build a machine. It looks like it. I mean, you see that list? that That's a list of really good football players visiting Austin this weekend. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was going to say on that poll, uh, you did ask how many commitments do you expect? Two was the, the favorite there with 38%, three or more with 30%, one with 18%, and zero with 14%. So, I mean, not really not a lot of times when you when you do a poll, you have like an overwhelming favorite, you know, and, and on this one, people, it's pretty close. I mean, I know two has the 38%, obviously, but it's kind of all over the place. Yeah, I don't know where to go. I mean, CJ would like if you had to if I had to guess, I would say two or below. Yeah. But would I be surprised by three or more? No. I mean, what 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 is your take on that? Yeah, I mean, we have to remember that the cycle for the 2025s is just beginning. It's at yeah. the very start of the calendar year for the 2025s in which they are now, you know, at at the front of the recruiting attention from from coaching staffs all across the country. With that said, you know, we see this list and I'm looking at it now. A hundred plus names is something I've never seen on a Texas recruiting day since I started covering recruiting, which I know hasn't been as long and as, you know, illustrious as some other guys on this panel here. But uh, uh, I, I know that this is not a common thing. You don't see a hundred plus names with as much talent and as many stars and offers and rankings as, as you see coming in for this weekend. And I think that's a testament to, uh, one, when Texas is winning, it's very easy to see the, uh, the, the results of that in recruiting. You see the, the, the attention, you see the effort from recruits to want to get down to campus and meet with the Texas staff. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you said you're building machine. Well, that machine is, is only getting stronger as the, the weeks and the days progress. And so that's certainly encouraging on that front. I don't want to say that you know, it, it's a guarantee that recruits commit this weekend, but there is going to be an opportunity for kids to join the fold. And this Texas staff might be saying, hold on a minute. We want to continue on with our evaluation of 
the 2025 cycle. Texas has been active in the national side of things as well. So there's probably 90% of this uh, visiting group of visitors coming in from the state of Texas. And that's something to, to be monitoring uh, this weekend as well. Texas is looking to branch fully into the national scale of things. Uh, and so as a result, I think Texas will be a little hesitant maybe to be able to take and fill up their, their 2025 class because there's no need to push for guys right now. That's simply the matter of the fact. Yeah, it, it's like, why? Why do you have to put the cart before the horse? And frankly, CJ, that's what that's what Sark's done so well. I mean, he's been patient when he should be patient. He hasn't overreacted to a commitment somewhere else, right? Um, and I, I mean, why, why ruin what's working for you? At the same time, if you know Jordan Davison wants to commit, you're not going to say no. So, so it, we have to see where it all ends up. And I'm not quite sure we all of us have, uh, or any of us have, exactly where we're going on that quite yet. Until we see this new new class and see what they really say post Junior Day visit. And CJ, you'll be there. You and Blake will b- both be there tomorrow. We should mention yep. that you guys both going to be in Austin uh, for that uh, tomorrow. I like CJ how he makes us go out in the cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be freezing tomorrow. Oh man! All right, guys. Well, Bobby, before we move on, I'm going to let you tell everybody how they can escape the insurance trap. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, Blake. Uh, BKCW uh, takes you out of the insurance trap by providing you with actual risk management consulting, not just price quoting. Uh, oftentimes, a, a, a insurance agent will talk to you right before it's time to renew, and they deliver the bad news of a rate increase. When that happens, it's called the insurance trap. You're stuck, and the agent is providing no value. Uh, operating out of their headquarters in Austin, Texas, and owned by a UT grad, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so that you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risks. Go to BKCW or send an email to info at BKCW to get started with a uh, free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. Before we move on, guys, I want to talk about Ohio State for a minute. We have a couple of comments regarding that. It's obviously they have a... Texas A&M's athletic director in the fold now. And this morning, or late last night, I'm sorry, it's announced that they hired Bill O'Brien um, as their offensive coordinator. What's y'all's thoughts on that? <laughs> it makes no sense to me. But <laughs> I mean, if uh, there has got to be a Houston Aggie. Okay. There's got to be a, an Aggie big money donor in Houston. Okay that loves the Aggies and likes the Houston Texans, right? Because, you know, um, the the reality of it is, if that's the case, they've got to be shaking their head at Ohio State right now because they just took Ross Bjork as the athletic director from A&M, okay? That's the guy who helped call, lose them $90 million, who saw Texas sneak in to the SEC under his watch uh, despite them not, you know, strongly advocating against that. Um, and then you take Bill O'Brien, who, I mean, look, I, I don't know what to tell you, but he's not a college coach. I mean, he's many things. He, he's more of a pro coordinator. Uh, I'm not, I don't know what to say. Um, if I'm Ohio State, 
I'm kind of like, is Ryan, is Ryan Day trying to purposely subterfuge this offense? Because yeah. that that is a bizarre, uh, bizarre situation. Yeah, there's a there's a tweet I saw from uh, Will Brinson last night. He's a an NFL guy for CBS. I I it, it stuck out to me immediately. Bill O'Brien has spent eight years working for either Bill Belichick or Nick Saban. He did not win a single Super Bowl or national championship. These are guys that have won 33% of the Super Bowl since 2002. Nick Saban's won 40% of the national championships uh, since 2007. To be <laughs> eight years with either of them and not having been on a championship winning squad is, I don't know. That's it's an interesting hire. <laughs> no doubt that they. I mean, I, I think I think I I purposely think that. I mean, are they trying to gift wrap it, gift wrap the Big Ten to Michigan in the next ten years? I mean, that's kind of why Ohio State is not a, a team that suffers losing easily. I mean, they're <laughs> beside themselves right now with Ryan Day, and Ryan Day has killed it in every other facet, right, of that program. Um, I I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't know what big money folks at at Ohio State are thinking. I really don't. Uh, we got a super chat from Blake, and thank you, Blake. He says, now that Julian Sand is in the portal, do you think Bama will stop blaming Texas for all of their problems? Well, it's no. crazy. Bobby, you mentioned it earlier. Texas isn't even the one that's reaping the most benefit and reward from Nick Saban retiring. <laughs> I, I know that Isaiah Bond, Amari Nyblack, and you know Kendrick Blackshear are guys that uh, you know, had had made splashy plays before, specifically Isaiah Bond. That was one that really hurt uh, Alabama fans to watch him go. But, I mean, there's other teams that are, you know, benefiting more, and I think it's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, look, Alabama and others uh, are going to point to Texas as, quote, this is what's wrong with college football. They're attacking the portal, blah, blah, blah. They – Texas just lost what fourteen guys to the portal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what? It's not like it doesn't work both ways. What Texas tries to do is actually make the portal work for them, not against them. What's happening right now for Alabama is the portal's working against them. There was a time they didn't mind it so much when Jameer Gibbs came over <laughs> in a single day. Did they? Did they didn't mind it so much when Jermaine Burton made his way from Georgia to Alabama? Hey, how about you, uh? How about Damani Jackson, who was at bowl practice one day after entering the portal four weeks ago? Yes. And this that's the USC cornerback. That was a high, highly rated guy. And so there's it's it's you know, what did you say? It's like be careful when the rabbit has the gun. Yeah, it ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun. That that's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that's what's happening at Alabama right now. And so I, I feel like that, you know. Texas isn't the one to blame for it. Um, the situation in the NCAA may be to blame for it, but all all Texas is doing is is winning. <laughs> they're they're actually winning the portal. That's that's what's happening right now. And if other people can't handle it, that's other people's problem. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. <laughs> well, fellas, we got a lot of questions, a lot of comments that we're going to get to. The chat is extremely lively today, and for good reason, a lot of excitement around the Longhorn program. So let's just start here at the top, and we'll work our way down to the bottom. Gary Smallwood says, okay, so who commits today? I hate to say this, but I hope Houston gets bounced from the playoff this weekend. We need our defensive line coach. Bobby, are there any new developments with that situation or any other names you might be hearing? No, I I, I have not heard anything quite yet uh, about what he's going to do at de- defensive line coach for sure. Um, look, I, I do believe it's going to be an NFL guy. Uh, I'm waiting to see if it is Rod Reich, uh, the assistant defensive line coach for the, uh, for the Houston Texans. Uh, Rod, of course, played at Texas, was on the national championship team originally from A-Leaf Hastings. Uh, I, I followed Rod's recruitment, believe it or not, back in the day. So all of this uh, leads me to say um, uh, there is nothing new yet, uh, but Sark, I I think Sark has his guy and is waiting to announce it. Now, whether it's Rod Wright or somebody else, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be in the collegiate ranks unless, unless we wait two weeks from now and we're talking about after signing day. Uh, I think this one's coming from the NFL ranks. This next question comes from Captain Americano, and he says, I'm assuming we try and lock down Muhammad at corner, which I know we already touched on that, but then try to get two more interior defensive line between now and spring before shutting it down. Thoughts on our strategy going forward? That sounds about right to me. Uh, You know, Texas hosted Jabbar Muhammad on Wednesday. He is supposed to be in Tuscaloosa today and Eugene next week. We'll see if those trips happen. I know that there's a lot of confidence out of the Texas facility in terms of uh, the effort they put forward for uh, Jabbar Muhammad. Adding defensive linemen certainly goes to the forefront of uh, importance for the Texas staff now. Bobby, you mentioned it earlier. If you can add a guy or guys to what Texas is returning on the defensive line, it certainly helps make a clearer picture for what you can expect from that unit in 2024. Uh, But I wanted to just kind of add one thing about the portal moving forward and the game plan Texas can have in future years. Yes, there's going to be turnover in the sense that, you know, coaches get fired and hired and move, go to the NFL. That happens every year. You don't see the greatest college coach of all time retire every year. The fallout that we've seen from Alabama is a one-off thing. Uh, Will big names, big schools, you know, kind of fall and, and, and see coaching changes? Yes. But I also wanted to kind of say that Texas was in kind of a perfect spot to be that landing spot for a lot of these guys. You know, they lost a lot of production, uh, one, in their secondary. They lost six guys to the portal, two uh, in their defensive line, and three at the receiving spot, the pass-catching spot. So uh, I do think Texas is built right now to be a an older team in 2025, so you won't necessarily need or see, I think, Uh, a lot of the portal movements that Texas has made this year. It's not going to say that they won't be adding, you know, guys that can be instant impact guys across, you know, the the roster. But I don't think you'll be seeing as much of a uh, concerted approach for as many guys. I think this is a kind of a perfect storm for Texas in the sense that a lot of pieces fell right into their lap for the seven guys that they currently have in their portal, portal class. I, look, CJ, I, I will say one thing uh, real quick and that, that I agree with you on is the idea that uh, the portal class um, 
it has got to be uh, a situation where Texas um, is continuing to abide by what they said at the very outset. The, the, the parameters they, they put on it were find guys that matter and can, can contribute. You're not trying to, to just piecemeal this together. Um, in, in my opinion, what they have left right now is those two defensive tackles, not just one, but I think they need two guys. Uh, and so that's, that's where it goes long-term. The only, the only other thing I would say to your comment there, CJ, and, and get, you know, I do know that you're right. The goat only retires once, right? So Nick Saban only retiring once, but look at what just happened to Washington. Okay. I mean, the same sort of situation is happening to Washington right now. Washington just got gutted. I mean, all 11 of their offensive players are gone. All of them are gone next year. I mean, four of their starting offensive linemen are in the portal. Okay. Um, some of their defensive line, I mean, defensive back, we, we talked about it, the safety, the corner and Jabbar Muhammad, they're gone. Okay. Look at what happened at Arizona with Jed Fish leaving to go to Washington. You know, several of their guys in the portal. And so I don't know. I, I don't know. I agree with you that Texas is in a rare spot to take advantage of Alabama's misfortune. I agree with that. I don't know that coaching turnover at the top necessarily changes things um, from one school to the next. I think it's going to be crazy if the coaching uh, situation happens. The only difference would be if you hire from within. So if Jim Harbaugh takes a job with the Chargers and and instead of going out and hiring Brian Kelly, for example, from LSU, if Michigan hires internally with Sharon Moore, I don't think you'll see the mass exodus, right, um, that you might see otherwise. And I'll tell you what, you also might save yourself several million dollars um, for, in, a, in a coaching contract, if you start elevating from within, instead of going out and, and hiring other people's coaches away. Um, but the other thing that it, it speaks to to me, and the real, you can say Nick Saban's the goat, and I and I firmly believe he is, is if you don't have a good NIL solution in place, and you're relying on a singular point of failure, which is what Alabama has been doing. I mean, literally, they put it all on Nick Saban. You know, Alabama's NIL structure clearly doesn't work in this day and age. They were a, sing a singular point of failure with Nick Saban. Well, Texas isn't like that. LSU's not like that. Tennessee's not like that. Georgia's not like that. Go on and on. Oklahoma's not like that. A&M's not like that. When it's a single point of failure, that's what's happening to Alabama. And that's why they're in trouble right now. Yeah. Uh, we're going to continue on with some portal talk, but let's talk about the addition last night a little more in depth, guys. Um, and Cotton wants to know, is Nyblack closer to JT Sanders or Billingsley at his current stage of development on the field? Well, it's tough to say. We never really saw a lot of Billingsley. You know, that, <laughs> unfortunately, we just never got to see him fully on the field for a, a, a long duration of time. I do know with Amari and I, like you're getting a guy that's about 6'4", 240. Uh, I know that there's reports that he ranges up from 235 to 245. I'll just split the difference and say 240. Uh, he can run very well. He can stretch the field very well. We know the big playability. He had a 39-yard touchdown against Texas. 
where does he fit in in the blocking scheme? Because that's important for the Sarkeesian offense. We see 11 personnel with one running back, one tight end, and we see 12 personnel, one running back, and two tight ends very often. That's been a big staple of the Steve Sarkeesian offensive approach since he's arrived here. I know that Nye Black is a willing blocker. I know that he is willing to put his hat on another hat in the trenches. Is he the most effective? Probably not. You don't necessarily see that combination of big playability down the field and a you know a plus plus blocker all too often at the college ranks when you do you know that they're a first round talent uh, that was always the biggest question mark with JT Sanders but I know that he's willing to block and that's half the battle uh, you can line him and Gunner Helm up together uh, on the field together and still continue to see the success down the field as well as in the running game as well so uh, certainly encouraging his average distance of target is something that was really in- encouraging to me is about 16 and a half yards down the field. That was five yards further down the field than what we saw from Jatavian Sanders this year. That's a, a pretty sizable, you know, kind of length down the field. You don't, you only really see that with guys that are true speed threats. Uh, I, I don't even think Isaiah Bond had something that deep. And that's, you know, even when being targeted 40, 30, you know, yards down the field. So encouraging there. But I do think that Texas is going to see a continual production from that tight end spot with both Gunner Helm and Amari and I Black next year. Let, let me ask you this, CJ, because this is that you just brought something up that I we were talking about with Rod. Uh, I was talking about with Rod yesterday. Um, so average his average target was 16 yards downfield. That's amazing for a tight end that's used to running stop routes. I mean, let's just—I mean—think about that. That's that's more than an outside receiver typically does with all the screen passes they they catch nowadays. Yeah, I mean that's that's a true seam, a, a, a true threat down the seam or over the middle. That's what that is. I mean, can you you can easily see him running that over route that Steve Sarkeesian loves to run and get, get him behind the linebacker and and Quinn floats it in there and then. You know, the thing I will say this, Nye Black is faster than JT Sanders. Now he's not as he's not as physical, I don't think, in running. His running size style is not as physical, but he's absolutely more fleet of foot. You agree with that? I would. I I, I agree with you in the physical sense as well. Uh, but you can certainly see the strides that Nye Black takes. You know, they they take up more ground. He's able to cover more ground quicker. He I, he's he's faster. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So JT runs more like a locomotive and Nyback runs more like a deer, if that makes sense. You know, JT's like turning his feet over fast and Nyback's stretching it out. Uh, Bobby Petronic says, is that because Bama was a bomb and gouge offense under Milrow? Does that have anything to do with it, in y'all's uh, opinion? Probably a little bit. I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, a lot of this is power run versus, and then, you know, opening up the play action. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he, CJ just said Isaiah Bond didn't have that many yard uh, d- distance that distance uh, from yeah. target either. Isaiah Bonds was actually right uh, right around twelve and a half, so yeah. you know four or five yards less than what we we're seeing from Amari and I Black. Not Which, as many, in, like you said, Bobby, impressive. Yeah, not as many targets, not as many targets. So th- there's a you know a correction or margin for error there to to consider, but it's still an amazing fact if you have a tight end that's getting targeted on average 16 yards down the field. I mean, that means how many times did he get a 35 yard pass in the air? Yeah. I mean, exactly. And for comparison, Ben Urasich was right a smidge over 11. Yeah. Well, CJ, I'm glad you brought up Urasich because John Adams says, good morning. Even with Nye Black's commitment, the proven depth at tight end is lacking. 
Nine Black is still young and continuing to, to pursue Ben Eurosex seems like a worthwhile endeavor. Your thoughts? Do y'all think Texas still tries to go that route or pretty much done there? I love Texas fans. They they have no problem being going for it all. I mean, right? They want like one, let's get two, you know. Uh, uh, John, I think that the answer on this is that they're probably done at tight end, but I, I don't put anything past this staff right now. Um, I think that they're out for blood. I think they're ready to go. So if Eurosec is still interested, uh, I could see them go in that direction, but I, I kind of think that they're done at tight end. I think they need to really try to uh, put resources in, into getting not only Muhammad, but also uh, defensive tackles going forward right now. That's, that is a big need on this team. If there's one need now that's ultra important, it is that, uh, it is that uh, defensive tackle role. All right, this is a good question here from Zane Petty. He says, which current portal edition will have the biggest impact on the 2024 season? That's a great question. Great you want to question. take one, CJ, or you want me to take it? Which, which one? You want to both take I've one? I've got one. Okay. I've got one. Um, I want. I really want to go Trey, Trey Moore, but the easy answer here for me is Isaiah Bond. Knowing what he is and how he is able to be – you know, a wide receiver one at Alabama for him to come in with the speed, the top end speed that he has. It's very easy to say that there's going to be almost a seamless transition into that Xavier Worthy role. I expect him to be the the most targeted wide receiver in 2024. I expect him to be the leading receiver in 2024. He's the guy that I'm expecting to have the largest impact of this group. But you could go down the list and basically point it and 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 and, and get to a role that each one of these guys will be certainly very impactful for Trey Moore is that second guy for me. I I got to be honest. Um, I wasn't even thinking of Trey Moore second. I was going Isaiah Bond. And then my second was Andrew McCuba. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Talking about a three-year starter. I mean, so, and now he's going to be able to play, he'll be able to play safety as opposed to nickel. I mean, I, I don't know. You could have a guy end up. What do you have? Forty tackles. You could have a guy that if he moves to safety has sixty tackles. I mean, that's that's just a lot. Um, and and Trey Moore, I think, is going to be a rotational guy, um, even with how good he is. Um, man, uh, there, look, there's now seven guys in the portal that that Texas has taken. I think five of them are legitimate NFL prospects. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what else to say other than that. I mean, you know, and they're going after another one, and then they're going to go after two more. You know, that you just – we're going to – I mean, look, we're going to cover the NFL draft for you guys. I think CJ's going to the Senior Bowl uh, if he can get out there. But the, 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 the point on all of this for me, and I think for everybody, is it's kind of just – look, they're trying to replace like with like. And they're not going to wait for two years of development for a freshman to do that. There's a way to get those guys to the finish line without, you know, overburdening your team. And I, I think Sark, that's the Sark's, that's Sark's plan right now. Well, we have a super chat from Tokyo Astro. Thank you, Tokyo Astro. And he says, what do you see the offense looking like scheme-wise compared to last year? 
you're going to continue to see the stretched field verticality. You're going to continue to see the underneath routes get the ball quickly out to these speed guys. There's going to be more of a, a flexibility in terms of where the deep shots and the whole shots come from, from the, the pre-snap alignment. You know, you saw it most times where A.D. Mitchell was lined up. He was going to stick to that side. Xavier Worthy, he was going to be the deep threat over on the other side. Now it can come from anywhere. You don't necessarily have just two guys that you can have a, a limitless playbook for with Jatavian Sanders being kind of that middle ground as well. There's going to be four, maybe five spots on the field if you consider the running backs out of the backfield as well that bring just tremendous speed and burst and acceleration to the entire field. It's going to be, at least on paper, you know, eight months out. It's very encouraging right now to, to look at the pieces Texas has on their offensive roster and say it could be more explosive. It could be more at least deep in the speed terms than what we saw last year as well. It's I, I love it. I personally love it. Here, here's my prediction on that, CJ. Uh, I think it will be Steve Sarkeesian's most explosive offense. Period. Third-year quarterback that can push the ball down the field better this year than ever before. As many, if not more, speedier targets than ever before, including now at tight end and at receiver. I mean, they've got three three or four guys that can really run at receiver. I mean, Jordan Whittington's good. Jordan Whittington's not 4-3-5. A.D. Mitchell, not 4-3-5. And look, that's my point. Uh, it's trying to get there. Uh, where, uh, and, and I, I will continue to say this, the, the addition of Jaden Blue to this offense in a capacity where he's actually playing on multiple downs and not just a boutique back adds another speed element. I mean, this will be Texas's biggest big play offense, maybe in, maybe since Vince Young time. I, I, that's the kind of, that's the way I feel. Maybe I'm wrong. Right. Maybe the maybe the numbers play out differently, but I don't think this is going to be a nickel and dime offense down the field. I, I just I'm getting a real different sense of what Sark's trying to build right now. Well, on that note, Bobby Brown wants to know, do you all think Texas will have the best offense on paper in the SEC? Hmm. I think well, I think I think George is going to have a great offense. Georgia. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, outside of that. I mean, who else? I'm, LSU, probably. I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, LSU just is, is losing a Heisman winner. Uh, Ole Miss. Like, Ole Miss will be good. Ole Miss will be very good. They just lost the leading rusher from the SEC, Quinshawn Jenkins. They'll, they will reload. Lane Kiffin has knocked out the portal as well. They're going to be very good this year. Tennessee will have a true, fre or a true sophomore quarterback. Oklahoma will have a true sophomore quarterback. There's it, It's setting up right now for – you know, Texas and Georgia, in my eyes, to have the two best offenses in the SEC for, for next season. Uh, Nittish has the comment and says, all we need to make sure now is that the offensive line gives Quinn Ewers enough time. Who do y'all see taking that next step, maybe, you know, really elevating their game on the offensive line going into next season? God, I hope it's, I hope it's the combo of Cam Williams and DJ Campbell. Um, because if those two guys take the next steps, those aren't small steps. Those are dominating steps. Um, and you get there. That means to me, there are three, 
three guys that potentially next year could dominate. Like not just and I'm and I'm and look Jake Majors, big fan. I, I I think that I've said that from the get go here. A lot of people have wanted to move him around. Just solid gets gets him in the right play call, etc. Does have pre snap penalties, but a lot of these guys do. That it's still college football. But there are three guys on the Texas offensive line that can be dominating next year. They are Kelvin Banks, DJ Campbell, and Cam Williams. Those are the three that have the ability to. Now, Kelvin Banks is already doing it at times, right? DJ Campbell sometimes does it, but more 15 to 20% instead of 65 to 70%, right? Well, Cam Williams has the capacity to do that as well. I mean, I'm not, I'm not so sure Cam Williams wasn't a ba- better run blocker this year than Christian Jones, okay? He wasn't as prepared or as intelligent about the offense as Christian Jones, okay? Christian Jones, a five-year guy, six-year guy. Um, but the really high-end guys on the offensive line that could take it to another level, if they take their play to another level, are DJ Campbell, Cam Williams, and Kel- Kelvin Banks. Those three guys, I mean, legitimately, they all have high first, second round potential in the NFL draft. Okay, we have a uh, super chat, a couple of super chats here that we need to knock out. And we'll start with this one from Jason, since we're talking about offensive line. And Jason asked, do you think we go after Caden Proctor from Alabama? Proctor obviously entered the portal yesterday. Highly regarded offensive lineman coming out of high school, a five-star. What's y'all's thoughts there? I I think it's Iowa. I I think there were ties to Iowa coming out of high school. He's from the area. Uh, That was the school that finished second in his recruitment. It makes sense for him to want to return back home. Texas, I mean, you see these elite prospects enter the portal from Alabama. It would be foolish not to kick the tires. But right now, I think there's a predetermined destination there. And I also think, as you mentioned, Bobby, Texas is, you know, not desperate for an offensive lineman right now. They're pretty happy with the the group that they got and the steps that they believe Cam Williams can take. Yeah, you want to you want to talk about freaks now. That that young man is Kelvin Banksish. Um, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So to your point, if he's interested, do you take the phone call? Yes. Um, does Texas need? to go to the portal in the offensive line. I don't think so. Um, I actually was told that this young man was portaling whether Nick Saban came back or not. You know what I mean? And so I, I don't think he wanted, I think uh, he, to CJ's point, everybody's pointing towards Iowa. And the reason why is because I think he was on the cusp and what I'm told of not even returning for the college football playoffs because he just didn't want to leave he wasn't wanting to go back to, to Tuscaloosa. So um, I think that this was predestined prior to Nick Saban even making making the decision. All right, we're going to take one more offensive line question and then we'll move on uh, to the other Super Chat. But Game Time says, are you all surprised there haven't been any offensive linemen transfer out? And why do you think that is? Well, I think Kyle Flood does a good job with the room and explaining things to the room. I, I, I think uh, I was speaking to... Uh, uh, a parent of one of the offensive linemen. Uh, this was back during the Sugar Bowl time period. And let me give you a, a scenario that they said Kyle Flood told them. Everybody runs your own path. 
There are Kelvin Banks out there that are ready to go day one. And there are guys that it takes two to three years to put their weight on and get their strength up, get their football IQ going, getting, I mean, any number of things, right? It wasn't just any one thing. And everybody's running their own race, right? And to try to compare yourself to this guy or that guy, what you really need to be looking for, where am I going to be four years from the day I step onto this campus? Because ultimately that's your next job interview. And so Flood, in my opinion, does a great job with the parents and the kids of explaining, look, this is not add water instant player on the offensive line. That's not how college football works. It just, it, you can try to make it that way because he's a blue chip or not a, you know, this is a long-term development process on the offensive line. And I think Kyle Flood tells each and every player that. And with that expectation comes some patience. Okay. And so that being said, you know, I also think that there could be attrition in the spring. Like if some people are starting to see that, okay, this isn't happening, then they may. But right now, I mean, he's got them focused. Texas had a great year. There's going to be two or three spots. There's at least two spots, I think, that are up for grabs right now on that offensive line, left guard uh, and right tackle. And so you have a number of guys positioning for that. And then you have the next group of guys that are thinking, okay, well, Kelvin Banks is gone next year. Who else might? Jake Majors is gone next year. I mean, I'm talking about 2025, right? Um, And so you have the younger group thinking, okay, how do I position within that group? and jockey for that. So I, I think that's how he's kept uh, kept that from her uh, happening. It's been a healthy competition. We'll see where it goes. This next super chat is from Pooh. And thank you, Pooh. He says, how confident are you in Ewers' development in order to optimize the new offensive talent on the roster? Sell me. Well, first off, if that if that name is uh, based off of Winnie the Pooh, happy Winnie the Pooh Day. That was yesterday to all that celebrate. I'm not sure what? if it is, but a fun little fact right there. Um, There's Winnie I, the Pooh. I, I had it. I had it. I wanted to share it. I don't know. I so, saw it. I I, I'm sorry to interrupt you real quick, CJ. I was my my youngest son is five. Obviously, watches Disney Junior. I was wondering why Winnie the Pooh was on all day yesterday. Now I know. So thank you because they never show Winnie the Pooh. So thank you for that tidbit. But please carry on. As we should all be celebrating, as we should all be celebrating. Uh, but yes, I am confident in Quinn Ewers' development uh, to, you know, fully optimize and get this, you know, the, the the full potential out of this offense. We saw the steps from year one to year two. Quarterbacks improve as they stay in a system, as they go through more spring football, as they get certainly more reps on the field. You're going to see that again from Quinn Ewers. Uh, this, this, the, the, the step forward that we talked about, I believe yesterday from Quinn Ewers has been noticeable. He had the same amount of interceptions with over a hundred more attempts passing the football this past year. We're going to see a similar approach. And we've, we've certainly talked about Bobby, the steps that he can make. And if you don't think that he's been receiving that same word back from uh, his corner, his camp, his coaching staff, Steve Sarkeesian, AJ Milby, you're going to see the same kind of, uh, reinforcements added to to Quinn Ewers in this spring, whether it be, you know, throwing a fastball in a tight corner, whether it be being aware of what's around him 
uh, in the sense of the pocket, pocket awareness, uh, elusiveness, whatever it might be. The steps for quarterbacks continually take uh, steps forward when they remain in the same system, when they remain with the same group and nucleus on the offensive line as well. There's going to be a lot of familiarity. There's going to be steps forward and obviously a lot of toys to play with now. So I'm very confident in Quinn's ability to take this offense and, and really reach new heights that maybe we didn't necessarily see this year. I I I think it'll be more the most explosive offense. I, I I'll sit I'll stand by that statement until they play a game um, in August or September of this year. Um, here's here's my take on it, and the number one reason why Quinn Ewers is twenty years old. Okay. He's 20 years old with two years of college starting experience. He improved from year one to year two. He's going to improve from year two to year three. Is he going to be perfect? Is he going to be a 10-year all-pro after one more season of, of seasoning, so to speak, or experience? No. But we're talking about incremental improvement on a guy that completed 69% of his passes. I mean, how many passes... Just give me a thought here, CJ. How many passes for Quinn Ewers this year do you think were poor passes? Like weren't many. No, that's what I'm saying. So I'll give you an example. The ball that he threw short inside against Oklahoma State. The one pass he threw poorly, right? Um, where it could have been picked off. Okay. There, there weren't a lot of poor passes. There are a lot of passes and decisions that could have been better. Right. So he he knows that. He has to get better at that. He also has to continue. He just started reshaping his body. I mean, can, keep that in mind. Remember what he looked like as a freshman, and then remember his body the next time you saw him as a sophomore. He went from, you know, a little baby fat his freshman year to kind of looking like almost a lean wide receiver type, type body frame. He's going to continue to get bigger there. It's going to give him more sturdiness in the pocket. He's going to improve his pocket awareness. Um, is he perfect? No. People are expecting sell me on perfection. I, I can't sell you on perfection. I can sell you on 72, 73% completion rate, though, and maybe more yards per attempt. No. That, that's what I think. You you mentioned something there that I don't think a lot of fans have remembered since Quinn Ewers has arrived on campus. Remember, he – is supposed to be walking into his true junior season. You know, he skipped his senior season. You know, the age thing is certainly a factor in this. It's 20. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew two inches from the age of 20 to 22. I mean, these guys, I mean, look, they're still, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to get to be 6'4". I'm just saying that <laughs> it's just the the reality of life. But these yeah, I think that's something growing. to keep in mind. Yeah. Certainly. Okay, y'all, we're going to take a couple more questions about the offense, and then we'll move over to the defensive side of things. And BevoFan75 says, if Quinn gets hurt, who backs up Arch, and are we comfortable with that? Well, first of all, it's Trey Owens, the true freshman, most likely, um, or somebody like Cole Lord, who's a walk-on. Uh, that would be the third team as of right now. Um, I would say this, and I also want to say this, Charles Wright, um, who uh, played at Austin High, uh, was at Texas as a backup for three years. I believe he got his, uh, his degree from Texas. He gradu uh, he is transferring to Appalachian State. Congratulations to Charles. Uh, he's going to get his opportunity out there uh, at Appalachian State. 
So who backs him up after after uh, Quinn? Then comes Arch, and then it's Trey Owens, the true freshman out of Cy Fair in Houston, who won the uh, Greater Houston Touchdown Club Award. Looked really good in the uh, high school All Star game, by the way, as well in San Antonio. Really tall guy. He may be the biggest of the quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's like they went from they Malik went to Duke, right? And Malik was the biggest of the quarterbacks, even though Texas has a pretty big quarterback room. Trey Owens may be the biggest of the quarterbacks. Yep. He uh, he he weighed in and and he was measured in at, in San Antonio for the All American Bowl at 6'5, 238. Those I mean they're growing them big, dude. <laughs> that's a that water. That, that, that's a tight end in the NFL, you know, t- 15 years ago. Right? Yep. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, guys, this will be the last offensive question that we do for a little bit. FCJ says, Sark is building a roster that will have defenses in hell. Biggest question is, how exactly will we improve? How exactly will we improve? Uh, I think his his uh, uh, internet went out. Sark is building a roster that will have defenses in hell. Biggest question is, how exactly will we improve in the red zone with so many speed demons? I have to think Sark has a plan. I absolutely do think that that's something that Sark's going to work on over the offseason. Uh, he's got to find more ways to get in the end zone. Um, coaches like Sark like to go and talk to the Kyle Shanahan's, Sean McVay's, Mike McDaniels of the world and say, how do I improve my rate inside the red zone? Just like Pete Kwiatkowski last year focused on improved third down defense and turnovers, I guarantee you that, that Steve Sarkeesian – will be trying to do the same thing as it relates to the red zone. What that means as a and how they're going to do it, I don't know. I, I don't have those answers. What about you, yeah. CJ? I, I, I certainly am hoping and wishing that this is the main focus that we see Texas take a leap in. Uh, it ultimately was the Achilles heel for the Texas Longhorns this season. Uh, but I, I would like to see, you know, these, these new wide receivers with the wiggle and the kind of – uh, ability to juke and 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 you know kind of cut on a dime if you will be able to win one-on-one so we saw it at times with Xavier Worthy uh the whip route I think is the most underrated route in the the red zone a whip route is when you basically run the first three steps of a slant and then cut back to the outside uh it beats man coverage more times than not you can look to I Iowa State the game winner Xavier Worthy won in the corner there as a uh, a really you know great example of a whip route I also like jerk routes, which is, you know, you take the first three steps of a slant, you pretend to go outside like a a whip, and you cut right back to the middle to continue on with your slant. And man coverage that's very difficult to beat. And when you have plus athletes at the wide wide receiving spot, it's near impossible on the goal line. You have to be so aware of the possibilities as a defensive back of where, you know, your your reads are, where your, your, your man is going. When you have plus athletes, which Texas now has specifically in Isaiah, uh, Silas Bolden as well uh, as Isaiah Bond, that's going to be a mismatch nightmare. And I, I'm certainly hopeful that we start to see more of that. But that also goes to the development of Quinn Ewers and getting the ball out quick and getting the ball out on a line. That's going to have to be an improvement that we see in the red zone as well. Tighter, tighter. He's going to be he's got to be willing to throw into tighter windows with more speed. Yep. that's I, I would agree with that. If, of the things that Sark is going to have to work on, that's going to be one of them. 
Okay, y'all, we got some more questions. But before we move on, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody how they can escape the insurance trap with BKCW. Yeah, absolutely. Operating out of their headquarters in Austin, Texas and owned by a UT grad, BKCW uses a five-step process to identify your business's weak spots, design a plan, execute it, and monitor your situation throughout the year so that you can lower your insurance costs and effectively manage your company's risk. BKCW has already helped some of the most well-known construction companies, restaurant groups, breweries, and nonprofits in Central Texas, as well as on Texas football, escape the insurance trap. And it all starts with a free risk assessment. Go to bkcw.com or send an email to info at bkcw.com to get started with a free risk assessment or claims audit and escape the insurance trap. And we want to thank them for sponsoring each and every Friday right here on on, uh, on Texas Football. And this next super chat is from David Smith. And David says, do better edge rushers lift interior line output? No. No, I don't I don't think so. Maybe maybe in pass rush situations. Um because I just I just don't think that's the way that works. Usually a defense is inside out, not outside in. I mean, I and and when you say output, what does that really mean? I mean, more internal pressure. You're not going to have more inter- internal pressure just because of better edge rushers, I don't think. And then Eric Wolf asked, our offense looks to be fine, but how do you replace Sweat and Ford, arguably the two best players last year? Well, that's the big question. You know, who helps fill that that void? You know, you talk about Vernon Broughton, Alfred Collins returning. You don't know who necessarily has taken that step forward to be behind them, as well as can Texas go out and add a piece from the portal to supplement what they already have on the roster? It's going to need – a big step forward from the guys already in the room. And I think I'm, I'm with the rest of you guys here. You, you're going to have to add at least one guy from the outside just from a depth and perspective, uh, a productive perspective there. So it's going to need at least another body. I'm, I'm shooting for two. The magic number is two. And I, that may be wish casting for me, but um, I think Texas needs two defensive tackles in the portal. And I, and I don't think, to your point, who are those guys after Broughton and Collins? Who are those guys we're talking about that could make that mysterious next step? Sadir Mitchell is one, true freshman out of uh, New Jersey. Uh, Jeray Bledsoe is two. Bledsoe is uh, seen as a little bit of a tweener prospect. He's more of a three or a five technique as opposed to a nose or a three. Um, and so those are the those are the ones. Aaron Bryant, we think, is going to be a rotational player for Texas the junior out of Mississippi. So um, I, I think Texas needs to go to the portal and that, and they've got to find the right guys there. Emmanuel Villafranco asks, why was our secondary exposed a lot more this year versus last year? Did Patterson have something to do with that or were teams forced to do that due to our interior defensive line pressure? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. Texas got out to big leads very early. As a result, teams had to pass, pass deep, go quick. That was the result that we saw in a number of weeks uh, early in the Big 12 season. Uh, I also didn't necessarily think, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't think Texas busted a lot of coverages this year. And I thought that was encouraging in the sense that the team understood where they were supposed to be. They understood the scheme of the defense, uh, the route concepts that they were facing. There weren't many 
guys running wide open that you would see 30 yards down the field, as we've seen in years past. That shows me that the scheme is getting to the players. The players are understanding the scheme, and they're going out and enacting it. Now, the issue was I don't think Texas was necessarily as athletic as they'd like to be in the secondary, and I didn't think there was necessarily the ball hawks that you'd like to see in the secondary uh, in the sense of you know going up and making a play on the ball to force incompletions or even interceptions. I think that's going to change as a result of adding in Andrew Makuba, uh, Jade Barron returning. You get both cornerbacks returning, and there's also the possibility of adding – uh, 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 Jabbar Muhammad, as well as Michael Taffy and Derek Williams returning. So there's a lot to be excited about this upcoming season because I think there's going to be an emphasis on the ball a little bit more as a result of having uh, better athletes on the field. Okay, I want to use this next super chat to segue back into uh, the portal and kind of rehash everything. But Seth Alcazar, thank you for the super chat. He says, with the playoff expansion, roster depth is going to be a huge need. Is that a potential reason for the approach this staff is taking with the portal? I, you know what? I, I got to say, I hadn't even thought about the playoff expansion requiring greater depth. I got to be honest. Um, I hadn't either. Yeah, let me think about that, Seth. That's a good question. Because um, you could be talking about two extra games than, than normal. Um, and they're still going to have the, the championship, the Big 12 championship game. SEC. Or, me, the SEC championship game. So that's 13 possible regular season games and then three additional games instead of two. Does it help that you're not, you're now also – Adding a second bye week as well as, you know, a potential, you know, team on the on the schedule that might not push you as as far or as hard as, you know, what you would in the Big 12's nine-team roster or conference schedule? I don't know. I mean, I think he's – I think it's a good question. I it, It's only if you go 15 to 16. I, look at the NFL right now, by the way. They went to just one more game and – they played their roster, I thought. The NFL teams played their roster a lot more um, cautiously this year. Um, they, You saw them sit guys midseason that maybe just had a nick that, that they wouldn't have otherwise. Um, I, I want – that's – that you know, Seth, that's a really bright question, something I haven't thought about yet to, to really give you a good enough answer. We'll come back to it. <laughs> yeah, we'll I, mean, I think that's – that's something to think about. I mean, how many more snaps is, I mean, that's, hmm. Yeah, big difference for sure. Okay, well, let's rehash the portal. We've had a ton of people join us since we first started this broadcast. And thank you all for tuning in, by the way. But let's let's start with Nye Black. Obviously, the big commitment last night and his impact on the Texas offense going forward and how big of a deal it was for Texas to get him in the fold so quickly. I, I just think it was huge. I think that it's, uh, you know, when when you went into the portal season, you knew Texas probably needed a tight end to pair with Gunnar Helm. Okay. You knew they needed help in the secondary. You knew they needed guys at wide receiver. Okay. What all we're waiting for now is a defensive tackle or two. I mean, he continues, Sark continues to check the boxes. But he doesn't just check them. He like puts a little check plus with the guys he gets. I mean, it, is there a better tight end he could have gotten in the portal? I mean, seriously, he's the number one ranked tight end in the portal. I mean, Isaiah Bond, number one ranked receiver in the portal. Where 
Makuba is a three-year starter. Trey Moore had 14 and a half sacks. I mean, what do you want? Is is what I'm saying to, and I'm not saying fans are saying that. I just like it's not that it's not that they're just checking the plot the boxes. It's like they're, you know, they're check plus. You know, it's this is what they're doing, and uh, that's that's why it's so so impressive. And I think Nye Black will add to it uh, an explosive offensive unit for next year. And then we talked about Jabbar Muhammad as well. Tracy Jackson, 23, says, when do we expect him to make his decision? CJ, can you run down the latest again on Muhammad? It was on campus Wednesday for his official visit. He's supposed to be heading out to Tuscaloosa today to meet with old head coach Kalen DeBoer, kind of see what Alabama can pitch to him now in the new age post Nick Saban. Uh, And he's supposed to be heading out to Oregon next week for a visit with Eugene or out in Eugene. it will be interesting to me to see if he makes it to either of these campuses. I think that it wouldn't be out of the picture to see a decision come as soon as this afternoon or this evening. Uh, like I said, he's supposed to be hopping on a flight to Tuscaloosa, uh, but Texas feels very conf- uh, confident in what they put on uh, Wednesday when he was on campus. Obviously, Steve Sarkeesian was the lead role uh, right there, and there's a ton of f- uh, familiarity there with family ties uh, with Malik Muhammad, Billy Walton. Uh, He's familiar with Kobe Black and his brothers having played together at Oklahoma State as well. So a little bit of a a wait and see. Just if he makes it out to Tuscaloosa, you can wait for this decision to be pushed back a little bit. If not, I think it's telling. All right, two more questions, guys, then we got to get out of here. Um, And the first one, it's been asked quite a bit in the chat. Uh, But, you know, we've talked about the portal, portal, portal. National Signing Day 2 is just around the corner. Is there anybody that Texas is still in the running for, or is that pretty much old news now as, as we look forward to next, you know, this next recruiting class? No, I mean, it, it's not. I mean, January 27th, not this weekend, but next weekend, Ryan Williams, uh, the wide receiver out of Saraland, comes in for his official visit to Texas. Um, K.J. Lacey, the quarterback out of Saraland, will be making that visit with him. Uh, that is the only one that has a visit scheduled that I'm aware of that still is in the 2025 class. Now, there could be someone that is unearthed late. There could be a late decommitment from somewhere or a guy that wants to uh, not enroll early somewhere else that ends up going back in. Uh, But other than him and Alex Foster, which I don't know if Texas is going to continue to pursue once they get a new defensive line coach, those are the only two. But they have not backed off of Ryan Williams because of their exploits in the portal. Um, that don't don't take that as a they're not going after him just because of that. They see they see Golden, Bond, and Bolden potentially as just one year guys. They're not they're they're going to continue to run this out until they get. Look, there was a one year. I, I love what they've done in the portal in part because I felt like there was a one year gap of recruiting when Sark first took over. And they needed one more year to bridge. And then all these top three recruiting classes would be fully developed, you know, from the junior year on. Uh, you know, smart football coach, smart roster construction. Yeah. I mean, Billy, Billy Glasscock, Brandon Harris, uh, some guys behind the scenes that y'all, but most Texas fans don't know who they are, uh, are the guys that that try to help make that a reality for, for Steve Sarkeesian. Jeff Banks does a great job integral in that as well as all the assistant coaches. Um, just a tremendous job overall, in my opinion. 
And then we will close with this super chat from Justin Yarbrough. He says, who are a few names y'all are going to watch the most go through physical changes during the off season? And thank you, Justin, by the way. Well, I think the big one is literally is Sadir Mitchell. But for me, that's going to be the number one guy. I want to see how he gets his body ready. Uh, Bobby, is there anybody else standing out to you? I can think of a couple here uh, that, that I think would be certainly encouraging to see steps forward. Yeah. Uh, so this is going to sound weird, but I, I would go also with Jure Bledsoe. Ethan Burke for me. More weight, more good weight on him, CJ, and you're starting to look at an NFL guy, right? As opposed to a long, lean athlete, you start looking at an NFL guy. Um, I would say here, here's going to be an odd one. What's what's Anthony Hill going to look like after a full year? Yeah. We know what he looked like before. You know, put, put another year on him. Um, I think Gunnar Helm will continue to improve. He's got that kind of body that's going to go that direction. Um, I'm interested in where Leonga LaFau comes out. Because I think he's he's a year away because of his height, weight, or because of his weight situation. But mentally, he may be there. C.J. Baxter, what a great one! I've got um, one. Yeah, I mean, look, we'll we'll see where it all ends up. But they've I've, got they've got guys that this is one of the great things. Like I mean, I don't know whether you want me to predict that or guess, you know, or, or uh, say who I'm interested in. There's a lot to be done in the next uh, next three months. Uh, it looks like the spring ball is going to start mid-early March, by the way. How about Quinny Ewers? Yeah. He, no, I agree. He he was only 195 pounds at the beginning of this past season. I know that was a drop. He reshaped his body. He needs to now build up on his body. Sarkeesian tried to go under center with him at, at times this season and, and run the QB sneaks. I don't think you can do that with Quinn Ewers. You certainly couldn't do it last year. If he can sit, you know, and live under a weight rack this this offseason and maybe add 10 pounds to that lower frame, I think that's going to help him in the long term. It'll certainly help him not be able to take some of the brunt of those big hits that he had taken this year and hopefully keep him on the field longer than what we have seen uh, the first two years as a Longhorn. So that's, to me, I think, far and away the most important uh, for Texas. Lots of people in the chat uh, weighing in some pretty good options as well. All right, Bobby, before we get out of here, let folks know what they can expect later today right here on On Texas Football. Another commitment. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I don't know that to be a fact. We're, we'll wait and see if that happens. But but with the way things are going lately with uh, Steve Sarkeesian and his group, I don't think you can count that out. Um, so at 1 o'clock, we'll have our normal Friday afternoon uh, live stream. Myself, CJ. Rod Babers will be joining us. Uh, that's going to be sponsored by uh, uh, Andy Ludicky and the guys at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, and then CJ, Blake, you, all three of us in town this week uh, for the uh, the junior day coming up on Saturday. A uh, hundred plus players uh, across the state headed to Austin uh, to this week. So uh, that's big stuff. All right. For uh, CJ, you have anything else you want to mention or, or Blake? Nope, you said it. We'll be we'll be at Junior Day. So, like I've said every day this week, and I think every day last week, there's no better time than now to subscribe and ring that bell because there's so much breaking news, guys. Every day it seems like there's been something huge. So ring that bell so you're notified anytime we go live or break some news. And that way you don't miss out on anything. CJ? 
Yeah, no, I'm excited for tomorrow. I think it's going to be a little chilly, but we're going to be out there bringing updates and, and coverage for all of y'all. So it's going to be exciting. Big day, big day for Texas. That's right. All right, guys. Well, thank you all for tuning in. We want to thank BKCW for sponsoring today's show. Thank you for all the super chats and great questions that you guys put in. And for Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you next time. Hook them. Have a good weekend, guys. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.